Testing, testing. Okay, good. Here we go. Psalm 127. You have to be bad, bad to walk in blessed wholeness. Yes, B-A-D, bad. And bad is an acronym for balance, acceptance, and dependency. You need all three of them to, to walk in wholeness. They are the three amigos of, of, of this journey that you're on, three friends that, that you really need. We talked about balance last week, trying to um, balance this seesaw Christian journey that goes up and down daily. And if you remember, there, there are three life experiences that sit on opposite ends of, of this seesaw. There is a, a life of, of kingdom integrity sits on one end, and then there's a life of, of kingdom affection on the other end. In other words, that there's you living for Jesus, then there's you loving Jesus in relationship. Both of these are opposite ends of this seesaw Christian journey. And now I know it's hard to keep the balance. It's difficult to keep the balance because there's tension. That's why it's hard and difficult. The ups and downs, that's tension. And the psalmist knows this. And that's why we can't just end on Psalm 119 just talking about balance. We have to also talk about acceptance and dependency as well. You need all three to walk in wholeness. You need all three to be bad, so let's be bad people. <laughs> Psalm 119, I'm beginning with verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. This is God's word. Please pray with and for me. Father, as we come to the preaching of your truth, we need the Spirit. I don't say that because that's what I say every Sunday. I say it because I believe it. That we need him to move in our hearts. We need him to move as this word is being preached. We need him to give encouragement. We need him to, to, to rebuke us. We need him to help us to remember Christ. We need him to empower us. We can't embrace anything when it comes to our faith apart from the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we think we can. Because we're smart and we're capable. Because we have certain technologies. But Lord, we can't do anything if your spirit doesn't move. We need his supernatural power to move in this place. And I pray that he will move. And not for our glory, but for the glory of our Savior. 
In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I recently uh, read an article in a magazine called Home Life. The article was called Stripping the Veneer. And in this article, the author begins the article by saying, her life is a walking contradiction. She says her life is a walking contradiction. She says her inward dialogue sounds something like this. I'm a follower of Christ who has experienced this redemptive touch, but yet I'm self-seeking and superficial. I'm self-seeking and superficial. I have no reason, I have no rational reason to, to explain these contradictory realities. To openly confess them feels as if I have swallowed a whole apple and it has settled in my throat. That's what she says about herself. Do you have an apple settled in your throat? Can you relate to her words? And I think we all can. I think we all can because all Christians, regardless of where we are in the life, regardless of our status or our culture, we all experience these contradictory realities in our seesaw journey. You feel that your life is a walking contradiction. You think your life is a walking contradiction. And truthfully, we are such. And truthfully, we have to accept that reality. You have to accept that reality. Believers are followers of Christ who have experienced this redemptive touch. But yet we are self-seeking and superficial too. Do you see that about yourself? I say it about myself. Acceptance means you embrace these contradictory realities. Now, please understand, acceptance doesn't mean you settle in your sin and struggles. Acceptance doesn't mean you just give up and throw your hands up and I say I give up. It doesn't mean you make a truce with your sin. It doesn't mean you wave the right flag. It doesn't mean you stop fighting. Acceptance means you have to have realistic expectations of what life in this world is going to be like for the church, for Christians, for God's covenant people. You have to accept the tension. You have to accept that tension. You have to accept that, that we live in a state of tension on this seesaw Christian journey. Do you feel the tension? Do you see the tension? It's real. What happened in Orlando? The world wasn't meant to be that, but that's the world we live in. I don't like it, but it happens. As Christians, no matter how much you grow in your faith, you're never going to achieve perfect balance on this seesaw journey. It ain't ever going to be perfect. You living for Jesus and you loving Jesus ain't ever going to be perfectly aligned. In this lifetime. It's always going to be like this. A seesaw. Now you'll have moments. You'll have moments when there's a healthy alignment. But those are moments. Those are moments. And they pass. This Christian life is a seesaw journey. Because we live in what many Christians call the already and the not yet. The already and the not yet. And that's why we have tension, because we live in already and not yet. Well, what in the world do you mean by that, Pastor Alex? What in the world do you mean by the already and not yet? Well, I'll explain. Let's say you go shopping at Costco, Walmart, Publix, Kroger, wherever you like to buy groceries. 
Now, some of these grocery stores, they have sampling stations where they sample food. Now, they may sample some chicken wings, some chips, different types of cheeses. And so these sampling stations, they're meant to give you a taste, like a teaser, so you can taste the food before you buy it. Now, the sampling station isn't meant for you to get full on. Now, you're not supposed to go to Costco and pull up a chair and eat dinner at the sampling station. That's not what the sampling station's for. The already and not yet is just like that. It's a sampling of what's to come in the new heavens and the new earth. That's what it is. So as Christians, as, as God's covenant people, you get a taste of the life to come. You get a taste of what it's going to be like in new heavens and new earth. But please understand, you ain't going to get the full meal now. One day you will enter the golden corral. It ain't going to be here. <laughs> Not in this lifetime. And so that means at this time, you have to accept the reality that your life, your family, the church, ain't ever going to be in this life what it's going to be. It ain't ever going to be what it's going to be. Now, we're going to taste what it's going to be, but it ain't ever going to be the full thing. There will be tension. There will be ups. There will be downs. There will be struggles. There will be pain. There will be things like what happened in Orlando. There will be disappointments. There will be sufferings. There will be persecutions. There will be justice. There will be injustice. There will be certain evils that we will be conquered in this lifetime, and there will be some evils that will not be conquered until Jesus comes back. They're already not yet. Some things in your life will get handled now and healed and restored, and there are going to be some things that we go through that will not get healed and restored until Jesus comes back. That's the already and the not yet. That's the tension. That's the ups and downs. And you have to accept that reality. We all do. There will be times when you wander off into unbelief. There will be times when some of you may commit some heinous sin. You say, well, not me. Well, you don't understand yourself very well. You just haven't been put in a situation where you had to commit a heinous sin. None of us are beyond falling into the sins we despise in others. Please know that. There will be times when you live in legalism, and moralism and self-righteousness, there may be times when you fall into unrighteous living, like the younger brother and the prodigal son. Do you, you will be hurt by people. Other people will hurt you. Do you feel your life will be a walking contradiction at times? Do you feel it? Do you see it? The psalmist feels it. He sees it. That's why he says, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. You see, the psalmist is filled with passion and emotion because he knows his life doesn't completely line up with everything he said in the first four verses. That's why he says, oh, that my ways may be established. What did he say in the first four verses? Blessed are those whose way is blameless. Blessed men who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. 
So what he's saying is that I want that, but when I look at my life, I don't have it. He feels the tension. He sees that his life is is a walking contradiction, and, and he admits that he doesn't always walk in balance. He admits that sometimes he even falls off the seesaw. Have you, you will fall off the seesaw. Have you ever fallen off? I ain't gonna put you on the spot. I've fallen off, but because of the Spirit, I can get back up again. These words, oh, that my ways may be steadfast, is an honest admission that he, his ways aren't steadfast in keeping the Lord's statutes. His ways aren't that. Ways, is a, it, ways here it refers to his heart and life. You see, he has a desire for his life and the heart to, to walk in the Lord's statutes, but he realizes that his heart still places its affection on other things. He realizes that his life is not always consistent when it comes to following God's instructions and commands and his will. There's part of him that, that desires the things of God, and there's a part of him that does not. There's part of him that loves the things of God, and there's a part of him that does not love the things of God. And that is true for all Christians. His life is a walking contradiction. Our life is a walking contradiction. But how can this be true? How can this be true? How can these two realities exist? How how can my life be a walking contradiction? How is that? Here's the reason why. Because we still have a sinful nature. The sinful nature is our flesh and the desires of the flesh. No matter how holy you are, you still got a sinful nature. You might be able to hide it from some people, but you can't hide it from Jesus. Now, I know people who come to say in faith in Jesus, they have been delivered from all their sins. Sin is no longer their master. That is true. That is true. Sin is no longer our master. And so we no longer have to live in sin with, with an unrepentant heart. We struggle with sin with a repentant heart. But you will struggle with it. You will struggle with sin. Until the day God calls you over to the other side, that is not going to change. Jesus says, The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so our flesh, that that sinful nature, has not been completely destroyed. And so please know that inside every believer, believer, there's an internal battle between your flesh and the Holy Spirit. And Paul talks about that in Galatians 5. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit... Or against the flesh. These two are opposed to each other to keep you from doing what you want to do. The desires of the spirit and the desires of the flesh exist in all believers. And you will deal with these two opposing desires on your seesaw journey. And some of you are dealing with them now. Do you see it? There's no escaping this. There will be tension. And you must walk in acceptance of this lifelong tension. Don't run from it. Don't try to pretend your life is all together. You have freedom to struggle with the tension because of what Christ did for you on the cross. So walk in that freedom. Walk in acceptance. The article that I quoted earlier, stripping of veneer. You see, veneer it refers to an attractive appearance that covers and disguises someone's 
true nature of feelings. See, all of us dress ourselves in some veneer, covering to hide from others the things that we know that we deal with. And the author says the only way that we can get free of it is is to begin to, to confess and acknowledge our flaws and faults. She says, not by faking it, but by faithing it. I mean, she created a new word. And I love it. Not faking it, but faithing it. Faithing it pushes you outside of yourself to depend on a power other than your own. You see, the only way that you can walk in acceptance and the only way you can strive to walk in balance is through dependency on our Trinitarian God. But do you believe that? Do you really believe you have to depend upon God to get through life? Or are you dependent upon the things that you have, the things that make you secure? What are you really dependent on to get you through? Dependence is believers um, relying on what actually enables you to experience balance and to walk in dependency. It points you to something outside yourself. Verse 5 says again, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Another translation uh, for that verb, steadfast, is, is established. The psalmist wants his ways to be established to keep the Lord's statutes. He wants his heart and life to be established. You see, he knows he doesn't have the power to do this himself. He can't establish his own heart. Can you establish your own heart to keep God's word? Can you, can you checklist that? You can't checklist that stuff. You can't checklist it. Only the spirit has to move you. The psalmist is confessing his limitations. Confessing his need. He's not faking it. He's faithing it. He needs the Trinity to establish his ways. He needs the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to do this. It's only after God works in his life that he can say what he says in the next uh, three verses. Then, once my ways have been established, once God has established my heart and established my ways, then I shall not be put to shame. Then I will have my eyes fixed on his commandments. Then I will praise him with an upright heart. Then I will learn his righteous rules. Then I will keep his statutes. Then I won't be utterly forsaken. The only reason he can use that pronoun I is because God moved first. That's the only reason why. The only reason why we can ever use the pronoun I is because God moves first. Again, if he doesn't move, you don't move either. Your heart is not changed if the Spirit of God doesn't move in your heart. And so if you struggle and say, I don't always desire the things of God, and my life ain't always lined up with the things of God, then you need to confess that and say, Holy Spirit, you move in me to get me on that path. It's only through dependency of the Holy Spirit that our eyes can be fixed on God's word, fixed on Jesus. It's only through dependency on the Holy Spirit that our hearts can praise God. It's only through the Spirit. It's only through the Spirit that we can, that we can learn to walk in his ways, as the song we just sung says. We need the Spirit to order our steps. 
Do you believe or is this a, a nice song? Jesus says in, in Luke 11, 13, What father among you, if your son asks for a fish, would instead of a fish give him a serpent? If your son asks for an egg, you would give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We're evil. And yet, we do our best to raise our kids well. How much more would God take care of you? Do you ask God to help you be able to submit more to the Spirit, to be sensitive to the Spirit's guidance? Our faith is highly supernatural. Highly supernatural. But we have a tendency to make it less than that because we got it. If we got the right books, we go to the right conference, we go to the right Bible study, then we got it. We don't really need the Spirit because we got it. You need the Spirit to move in those things, to move in your life. You need him to move in those Bible studies. You need him to move in this service. You need him to move in all the things that you do. So your life and your heart will submit to God. There are tons of gifts. Tons of gifts and benefits that God gives to believers. There's grace. There's mercy. There's forgiveness. There's peace. There's eternal life. We get all these benefits because that's what we get because we're in Christ. But guess what? The only way you can enjoy them, the only way you can rest in them, the only way you can embrace them is by the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way that you can embrace and live in those gifts is the Holy Spirit moves in your heart. But do you believe it? The Spirit is the one who enables you to embrace balance. Strive for balance. He enables you to embrace the, the acceptance that life will be a life of tension in the here and now. I ain't ever going to be perfect. It's going to always be broken. It's always going to be a struggle. And it's through that spirit, and when you depend upon him, relying on him, he is the one that allows you to accept those things. He is working in your heart to establish your heart in ways to follow in God's footsteps. Don't you know the spirit of God lives in you? The spirit that came at Pentecost lives in you if you have faith in Jesus. And for some of us, it's just okay. It's not just okay. That's power. Power. He helps us in our weaknesses. He intercedes on our behalf. He's the one that convicts us. He is the one that reminds us of all truth. He is the one that's leading us. And you know what else? He is the reason, he is the guarantee of your inheritance that's still to come. Thank you. Where's my son? Man. Where's my son? Paul says in Romans 8, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit does not belong to Christ. But if the Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of, God, of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit.
who dwells in you. Will you please know that your life will be hard, but it ain't always going to be hard. You will experience newness of life. David says, I know I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So please know, even though it's a balance, you will experience goodness. Because the Spirit of God lives in you. Greater is he who lives in you than he who is in the world. Don't give the enemy too much credit. Don't think he's more powerful than God's Spirit. Don't think that your sin is more powerful than God's Spirit. We think so little of God. So little of what he's capable of doing. That he's presently in your life, moving on your behalf, even if you don't see it. And he will work things to your good. But do you believe it? That's always the question. You probably get tired of me asking that question. But oh well. I'll come up with a new phrase later on. But until then, it's do you believe it? Because it means nothing if you leave here and you don't believe it. Not just in your head. It has to be here in your heart and soul. In your heart and soul. It's only through the Spirit that you can be good husbands, good moms, good spouses, good wives, love and siblings to one another as believers. It's only through the Spirit that we're going to be able to persevere through this life. If it's just in our power, we won't persevere. Only through the power of the Spirit that we can. It's only through Him that you can walk in wholeness. It's only through Him that we can be bad, bad people. In a good way. <laughs> Balance, acceptance, dependency. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are always able to do 